Welcome to episode 48 of the Two in the Authors podcast with me, David B. Lyons. And me, Robert Enright. And on today's show, we will be discussing six tips on how to even begin your journey as an independent author. We'll also be answering a mailbag question sent in by one of the awesome listeners about imposter syndrome. And that's all before historical novelist Annie Doyle joins us at the tail end of the episode to face our seven questions david but before we get into the weeds of today's show how's your mm-hmm. last seven days been my friend uh very good rob thanks very much yeah I'm, I'm i'm maintaining a level of discipline uh on my next novella which is to say i i've been working on it every day so whether it's an hour or two hours that i can um give to it uh, I, i've maintained that level of discipline which is unusual uh, for me, it's, it's the way I was getting out my first sort of six books. I was, I was so, um, I, I, I was so on it. I was so in the flow constantly, but the books nine, 10, 11, and then these, um, novellas, they, they just seem to take a little longer as it, I mean, I have all the time I have the day, mm. but, um, I just don't seem to want to open up that Scrivener page and get to it. It's not, um, they're not calling out to me. I think I used an awful lot of my, um, what should we call it? My passion and my hook into my writing. That lasted about the first three years and the (laughs) last couple of years have been a little, it's it's felt like a little bit like work, but that's because when I became full-time, you're you're nearly coming up to a year as full-time now, Rob. when you have those sort of all those hours in the day to get to your manuscript, you te- I tend to find that I wasn't getting to my manuscript. Whereas when I had yeah. uh, an hour or two window a day, I mean, it just meant that's when I'm getting to it. And there was no doubt about it. So I think having all of the time sort of diluted the passion somewhat. Um, and I have to sort of get back to just allowing a pocket of time. And that's literally just me and the Scrivener page and no disruptions. Do you do you think it's um we've spoke about it a number of times your books uh, 9 11 12 the middle of middle america yeah. trilogy they took more of a like a psychological impact on you i think cuz you i remember yeah. you were really really at to kind of go to like dark places but it was also i think a lot of research it was a really big undertaking to do it across such a massive timeline and then yeah. don't forget, you've also you've you've done your Alex book, and you've done an awful yeah. lot of stuff screenplay wise. So it's not like when you say, "Oh, <clears throat> I wasn't very prolific," or "I wasn't as prolific as when I started." I think yeah, yeah. There, there's there's more circumstances to it than the fact that you know I make the joke that you just sit around watching Netflix. I think you know that that's yeah. that's not the case. <laughs> no, yeah, there has there's been an awful lot of strings added to the ball to say such mm. as the uh, you know the alex ferguson book uh i took some time out in the well time was given to us wasn't it in 2020 when when the pandemic hit so i took an awful lot of time to write that i i was 
slagging my other friends, you know, they were getting time off work. I was like, learn a new language, you know, do a, do an online course, do something, fill this time. So I thought, well, Jesus, I'm giving all this advice and I'm not really filling my time or anything else. And that's really when the Alec Ferguson book uh, came to fruition. And I assumed at that point it would just be write a lovely book and have it published. Great, but too many doors have sort of opened for me. Not too many, uh, so many. Um, that it's sort of taking me in a different direction. But uh, I'm, I'm still quite prolific. I'm still getting work done um, almost daily. So the, the next novella I told my readers would be out in November. So I'm, I'm sticking to that. I'm, I'm not diverting nice. from that. But I do, I did, I had a big, big, I had two big meetings in the last week about the extra balls that have been added to my life because of the Alex Ferguson thing. So it really looks like the screenplay is, is taking off. We've got um, a small production company I'm signed up to now. That they're taking it. And we have a big, massive company in London who I met with last week who are so interested in it. They've given us a, a timeline at the end of the year, November, to come back to them. Um, with the small production company, and we're gonna we're gonna say this is how it should be done and how we can do it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all taking off, um, and I'm I'm excited about that. But I'm still just you know the day job is still the novels and the novellas because I'm not getting paid anything for the Alex Ferguson screenplay no. yet. That could be one big check in two years' time. It's not as if somebody's saying, "Well, here's a couple of grand to keep working on it." You know, we give you a couple of grand every month to keep working on it. It's not like that. It's not a job. It's a, it's a lottery ticket that you're working on, really, that you hope pays off in the future. So, yeah, somewhat disciplined. I've been at my laptop a lot this week, whether it's the Fergie screenplay or my next novella. So I'm, I'm, I'm being disciplined. Um, yeah. You're always disciplined, or you have been since I've known you, Rob. How have the last seven days been for you? And you've been really good. Two, two, two very quick points. One, you want to get that kind of um, confirmation that it's going into production in November because then when December rolls around when your Alex Ferguson book is a massive seller you can then have the soon to be a major TV production as, yes. uh, as the headlining which you know, that sells books like uh, by the truckload that one line absolutely because people want to people want to read it before it goes on TV yeah, um, so and the other one um, value advice of you know during the pandemic do something productive do all this I was obviously still working full time I just had a young kid I was trying to work the books you know what I taught myself to do during the pandemic what was that I taught myself how to juggle no way <laughs> you know, how many things can you juggle I, I can only do I can do three but I went from literally not nice. being able to do anything to being I can I can competently juggle now. It was just something I'd always wanted to do, and it always annoyed me that it wasn't simple. So I learned oh, how. Oh, thanks, I'm now COVID. trying to teach myself. Yeah, I'm now trying to learn how to do four four balls at once. But um, <laughs> there you go, the life of an author. There. Um, there my go. past seven, yeah, my past seven days have been really good. I passed the sixty thousand word mark on Jack Townsend, so I'm. I'm yes. shooting towards the finish now. It's nice. things are starting to land. The, the like people, the misdirects of who could be the killer and stuff like that. Some of them yeah, are starting to fall off because they're being proved that they were somewhere else and stuff. So, um, and then it's starting to get a bit desperate. So, yeah, that's been really good. An interesting one, and I think it'll be good to analyze as a future episode. Um, is I've booked on with a massive book tour. Um, I've all recommended oh, cool. someone to do a book tour for me. Apparently, she's got loads and loads of great contacts, whether that's um, bloggers, 
social media people, influence, blah, blah, blah. So I've Great. got a blog tour booked in for the run-up to the release of the book. Um, nice. Just, you can let us know because, how that goes. Yeah, exactly. But the, the ones I've done before, I did it before I had any real credibility behind me. I think I was in the wrong genre with the bloggers I pick. This right. one I've gone, I've paid someone who knows which bloggers these, this book should go to. I'm getting Great. a pat on the back for that. It's good enough that it would get good reviews from, nice. from my editor. She's saying that, so and she doesn't lie to me. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I'm doing that. And then on a personal mm. note, um, I've got half my money back now from EasyJet. <laughs> for, for oh, the, yeah. <laughs> for that the, the bullshit I went through, yeah. So um, <laughs> there's stuff they won't pay for, but luckily I'm a smart boy and I had travel insurance, so now I need to go through my insurer to, to get all that stuff. And we'll end it with the most positive thing ever. Yesterday, for the first time in my life, I hit a 180 on my dartboard and I went absolutely wow. wild, David. I ran upstairs right. and I woke Soph up to tell her because <laughs> <laughs> I've never done it before. So, yeah, it's been a great seven days for me. <laughs> nice. Winning. Two in the okay, Rob, it is time for the main talking point. And today we are going to be giving our listeners six tips on how they can begin their journey as an independent author. We have noticed uh, on our social media feed, Rob, now we have authors from all over the world, uh, mm. which is great. Thank you for listening from all the different corners of this globe. But we also have authors um, who have an array of different experiences. So some who have 20 books out and are earning six figures every year. And mm. then there are those, of course, who are following the two in the authors because they're, they're just starting out on this journey and they really want yeah. to figure out how they can best um, get their feet into this industry. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend the first 20 minutes or so the main 20 minutes of this podcast talking about how those who are just have their first book written perhaps or, or, or are halfway through writing their first book and maybe they got a book and a half or two but they're at the beginning of the journey and they want to figure out how they can be a success at this game now you and i have often taught rob that it's it's not easy with one book it's it's very rare it's a bit you'd be a bit of a unicorn if you had success with yeah. one book but with one book, you can really start to uh, put the the stepping stones in place to build a good career as an independent author. So Rob has this week um, come up with three ways um, or three tips that he would give to those just starting out. I've come up with three and three plus three equals six. So hence the yeah. six tips uh, for those starting oh, out. Yeah, good maths. Yeah, you see, we're getting the left side of the brain. We're right side of brain people, but sometimes the left <laughs> brain kicks in. Um, <laughs> so, Rob, if if you don't mind, buddy, could could you start? What what would your first tip be to somebody just starting out um, writing their first books? So, so the first tip I have is is actually was one that will require some financial investment. Um, Let's make it very clear right now, David, you and I don't have any paid affiliates or any links to any of the services or things that we talk about. It's, we will only not, ever yeah. talk about stuff we use, we recommend, or that, you know, we, we would never shill something we don't know about. And I think 100%, it's important yeah. that 
And, you know, we re-emphasize that this is about, you know, where you're getting started. So, you know, this isn't fully about, this is how you, here's six tips to sell loads of books and become a full-time author or, you know, we've done six tips on how to grow your social media. This is if you're sitting there and you've got one book, two books, you're not sure. Yeah, you've just written them. You're not sure where to go, what your next step is. These six tips here, I think, are things you and I have done, right? Yeah. Um, pretty much most of them when I've looked through. So obviously, behind the curtain, we, we know what our tips are. We share them with each other. These are all ones we either did at the beginning or that we put into place when we started, I say it with me, started taking it more seriously. Yeah, and started investing true, yeah. financially and time-wise into doing more than just writing a book, into you know building what is essentially a business. And that is what yeah. we run. We run businesses. So if yeah. you're in that position where you've got books, but you, you know, you're not doing much with them. You don't know what to start with well, alongside writing your books. You want to get, you want to put your best foot forward. These are the things that we would recommend or the tips that we would put in place to give yourself the best chance of yeah, I think getting the I most think out of what, what you got. I think it's fair to say, Rob, that if we were starting from now, given the experiences we've had over the past six seven years these are the six steps that we would take now if we were releasing our first book next month isn't it absolutely and it gives you the best opportunity to 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 build what it will be one of the greatest careers you could have that's i i think i have yeah. one of the greatest careers i could ever possibly have so mm-hmm. that being said the first one is a financial investment and it's um take the mark dawson launchpad course so the yeah. Mark Dawson has two courses. He's got an ads for authors course, which is more expensive than the Launchpad course. And if you're just starting out, you don't even need to be looking at that ads for authors course yet um, because that will only really be truly effective and worth its money when you're at a position where you've got a lot of stuff you can offer to people to make the money back that it would require you to pump into. But the Launchpad course... um, it used to be called the 101 course. And what that is yeah. there is Mark has put together what I think is a really good course. I've seen loads of courses. I've gone through loads of courses on other things. His one is expertly done to, I think, give you probably the most bang for your buck in regards to, I don't know what I should be doing right now. And he will yeah. lay, he lays out, and the videos are really good and they're really helpful. And they have a whole big... Um, like a database of how-to videos to if you get stuck with the yeah the technology side of things but it kind of lays out not just what you should do but why you should do it so we talk about mailing lists we talk about social media followings we talk about being professional but then we you know, yeah. things like what should go at the back of your books what should be in your newsletter signups all these things he covers in re- i think really good detail um and also, I would say is he's a proven case of you know how far you can take it as an independent author. So, you know, by all means, listen to David and I. I feel like you and I have a few shreds of credibility in this uh, indie author game, David. But I think yeah. you have to you know hold Mark in a high esteem of yeah, he's got a lot of credibility for the things he has done. So, my tip number yeah. one would be next time that course is available to open 
I, he opens it sporadically throughout the year. So like follow the SPF podcast or follow the SPF Facebook groups. If you haven't done that course and you don't know these things, it is worth its money because it gets continuously updated. But also, I would just say, this is a business. Open your mind up to the idea. This is a business and every business needs investment at the beginning of it to even stand a chance of surviving. So that'd be my yeah. first tip. It's a great first tip and, and it's literally the first step uh, you and I took uh, uh-huh. to, to become successful at this game. So, I mean, it just breaks down the, the Launchpad course. It just breaks down what self-publishing is, how you can go about it, how you can make a success of it. It talks you through how to upload your books onto Amazon, literally how to publish your own works. Yeah. And so it's a really, really highly recommended course of action for uh from Rob and I, we've both done it. Uh, we're not affiliated to it in any sense. We just highly recommend it. And I'm guessing, Rob, I don't want to guess wrong, but it's somewhere between three and four hundred pounds. I think the launchpad course. In what um, I did it, sh- I did it five. I did it five years ago now. Um, yeah, I did and, it two five years ago. Yeah, and and it was about three four hundred pounds then. So might be a little right, bit so more now. I don't know, but again, it, it's. It's worth a go. It's worth a look at. I 100%. I, I would agree with that. And also, David, you it and is. I are alumni of the uh, SPF yeah. course, I believe. But we wish. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we that's my first step. David, yeah, why don't you it's give the best us first step. tip number two? Tip number two. Now, so Rob has just given you one which uh, requires a little bit of investment. And remember, Rob has said there that. It, it's a business, so you need some capital. You need to invest in yourself. Tip number two is also going to require a, a little bit of a payout. Now, all of our six tips are not. Some of them uh, are just free of charge. They just require your time. But tip number two is to be professional at uh-huh. all terms. This is how you become a success at this game. Now, when I say be professional, I'm not saying you have to wear a, a shirt and tie and you have to go to meetings at 9am none of that nonsense when when we when rob and i say be professional what we mean is your your output so your your social media needs to be you have to act like a professional author but more importantly your book cover design and your editing of your book they need to be of the highest professional standards yes that is more cost for you before you've earned money. Remember, we've already asked you to take the launchpad course if you want. That's a few hundred quid. Another few uh-huh. hundred quid will be getting your professional book cover done, uh, designed, and getting a professional editor to go through your manuscript to make it as good as it can be. You will not sell a second book unless your first book is good. Nobody's going to invest yeah. into you if, if they've already if you've lost them on book one. Now, Rob, you and I have studied looked at and um, tutted and smiled at so many different <laughs> independent orders. If you don't have your covers professionally designed, uh, you are all, you're giving yourself a massive disadvantage. Yeah, 100%. And, and the thing is, especially with the cover, yeah, mm-hmm. we're in the privileged position, David, of being able to have our cover designed pretty much down to exactly what we wanted, have it done custom made, Blah blah blah, but yeah. so many incredible cover designers do pre-made covers. So my book, one by yeah. one, I've said this multiple times. That's a pre-made cover. They just change the 
the font around, uh, the title around for me, made a couple of small changes, cost me 50 quid. And that book made me 300, that book made me probably about 180 pounds in three years. I changed the cover and it made me about 200 pounds in a month. So there it was you like, go, yeah. that, that's, that's the impact that it can, it can have. Um, yeah. So I think you, you could, by all means, but you can always upscale your covers. My my current branding, which I'm really proud of for my Sam Pope series, wasn't what it started yeah. out as. I had different yeah, covers that were they, were, they were good, they did their job, but I then got to a position where I could upgrade them and then that took it on to another level. But again, yeah. like David said, if you, if you have a cover that instantly people won't stop at, you're cutting your legs off straight away. Yeah. You really are. Yeah, it, it's 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 the face of your branding, really, isn't it? Your book cover. So there's no point in thinking, oh, well, I'll save myself a few hundred quid here if I get my friend who's good at Photoshop or Canva um, to design my book cover. It's just, it's listen, we've seen it. We've been around all those blocks before. It just doesn't work. So you are better off being professional, which is tip number two, right off the bat. Now, we've yeah. given... Rob, um, our listeners there, a little bit of investment. You're asking them to take the Launchpad pad course, which is great advice. I'm ensuring, I'm making sure that they um, are professional at all times, so getting good editors and good book designers. We're going to give them some tips now that's not going to cost any money. So um, what's tip number three that you would give those just starting out? Before I do tip number three, can I give a tip 2.5? 2.5. About being professional, um, and that's okay. also not just in regards to what you're investing in, but also how you and you know be being an author. It's also be professional, like throughout all aspects. So how you deal with people, how you treat people, um, how you take feedback, how you take that. So um, I you see loads of people who will piss and moan about a negative review, or they'll yeah. not agree with stuff that their editor says because they don't. They can't take the fact that maybe what they've written isn't good enough. Best piece of advice I got given in my corporate career when I was working in Daily Analytics was when I was about 23 years old. My first job, and I, I pissed about a lot. I didn't, and I, I would be quick to snap at someone if they called me out on something, blah, blah, blah. And my manager just took me to the side and said, don't take it personally, take it seriously. Yeah, and yeah that, great point changed a, a switch in my head so i just want to put that in as a 2.5 is don't take yeah. any of it personally unless it's obviously a clear personal attack like through a horrible yeah. review say I, I say i got a review saying robert m Wright is a prick or something like that. i'd be like, okay well i'm going to come back on that if it's someone saying yeah. you know other people do this better i think it's slow paced and his his dialogue isn't good i mean that would be you know i'm saying but okay cool that's your opinion i'm not going to snap at you if my editor, yeah. if Emma comes back and says, you can't write this because this actually comes across as, I don't know, sexist or you've written this, I can't mean, I, I, there's no point in me going back at her saying, you're wrong. I should take it on board, yeah. be professional and take it. So that was, I think that's the other caveat to being professional. And I just wanted to put that Absolutely. in there. Absolutely. Yeah, that great tip point. Number th tip number three is quite a quick one. And that is make mm -hmm. sure your Amazon sales page is as attractive and as gripping as it can possibly be. Along yes. with your blurb, like this, this is where you sell it. Now, I'm not going to go into too much about why you need to have this important. If you want a really in-depth look at it, we did an episode a few months back called You Need to Get This Right. 
where we, mm-hmm. we we broke down the whole Amazon page and what you can do to maximize it because it's essentially your real estate on the biggest bookshop on the internet. You yeah. need to have it working for you, not for Amazon. Because <laughs> like, Amazon yeah. will sell books, whether it's your book or not. They will sell books by books. the millions. So they've given you the same amount of space as another author I've got the same tools that David has, unless you're probably up in the absolute million selling things that you probably get extra tools that will keep that going. Yeah. I've got the same stuff David has or the same stuff other authors have is how you can maximize that. And that's, yeah, blurb, your t- even your title, your cover, your A plus content, any reviews, all this stuff. Get it right. Go yeah. and listen to that episode. And the reason why it's called You Need to get this right is the amount of times I've seen a sales page with spelling mistakes or bad formatting, like bad HTML or yeah. a rubbish cover or something sloppy and lazy. They've just literally put one line on there with no real punctuation. You think you're not going to yeah. sell, you're going to sell me on that. So tip number three, doesn't cost you anything, just make sure you go and listen to that episode and then go and yeah. do your Amazon sales page. You're so right, Rob. I mean, everybody thinks they've got a good book in them. You you might have written Ulysses, right, or something that mm-hmm. good. Uh, but if your sales page is shit, you're not, you're, you're not selling that book. So you have to get the sales page right. Take a look at all those who are selling millions of books. Take a look at Mark Dawson or Louise Ross. LJ Ross and, and have a look at her sales page and, and figure out for yourself this is why she's selling a million books uh-huh. a year her branding is on point her blurbs are so gripping they want me to they, they make me want to know what's going to happen next her social proof is amazing get your Amazon sales page as glossy and as glistening as you possibly can as Rob said there it's free of charge Another one free of charge and tip number four for those just starting out is get your social media pages and your newsletter set up from the beginning. Now, this yes. looks like a, we often talk about standing in front of a mountain, Rob. This looks like you might have 10 followers on Facebook and Auntie John and Uncle Kevin are signed up to your email list. And that's all you have is two emails. Yes, it looks slow and you look at people like me and Rob who have thousands of followers and thousands on our newsletters and you think, oh, how am I ever going to get there? Well, it was just four years ago that I had Auntie Joan and Uncle Kevin on my email list and it has just grown ever since. So I'm not saying go out and get a thousand followers on your Facebook page by next week or get 2,000 signups for your email newsletter before the end of October. We're not saying that. We're just saying get everything in order so that when um, you do start selling books, the filter and the um, the sort of road that leads readers to following you is all set up. So in the back of your books, you might have a link to your Facebook page. And if I've enjoyed the book, I'll think, oh, I'm going to follow this Robert N. Mike guy, mm-hmm. see what he has coming up next. Or um, you might have a link at, your, at the back of your book for people to sign up for newsletters to hear from you um, regularly. So perhaps once a month or twice a month or whatever you choose when and how you can sort of approach your newsletter and your email list but get that set up from the very start so it's not a slog and you you haven't sold a thousand books and then go oh do you know what I never got any fucking email 
addresses from that. So if you set all that up from the very beginning, so start your professional Facebook page, get a professional, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to pay a photographer a thousand pounds to get a photograph of yourself. And um, with the technology we have in our pockets these days, you can get a great photograph of yourself, make it look like this girl or this guy, they are a professional author. And um, so have everything set up, a great Facebook page, or you might, you know, you might feel that you're better off selling on Twitter or TikTok or wherever you want to set up your social media. Get it set up from the start, make it look professional, and the same with your newsletter. Giant MailChimp or MailerLite, who Rob and I recommend, we're both with mm-hmm. them. And even though you think, oh, this is a waste of time because it's only Auntie Joan and Uncle Kevin set up, get it all or signed up, get it all set up and ready to go that when you do start selling books, um, you are filtering people towards following you. It's a big, un- it's, not, it's not a massive undertaking, but it's a big deal. It's absolutely crucial. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm late to the party on this one. This is one of all the tips we did. This was the one I was like, I wish I'd done this. Bang in the beginning. Um, right, yes. Because I, I, I was late to the party um, with mailing lists and um, using my social media. I think last year I made the point for my social media presence or whatever has been stratospheric compared to what it was before like um, yeah. with regards to the interaction i get now and that's just because i've spent a year probably posting minimum every other day usually every day i post something out because now i'm writing so consistently and there's always so much going on there's always something i can probably update on but at the same time yeah. it doesn't always just have to be about your writing people like you as a person as well i took a picture i've been giving progress updates on the climbing frame i've been building for my kids right yes I, I've, I've, my, but the thing is all my followers know that i have a young daughter because i've shared that sort of side yeah. of me with them um but yeah it's they they don't cost anything you know once your mailing list gets to the point where you will have to pay money for it it's already going to be paying for itself so that that should yeah. never be a concern all of them have yeah you, you could you can literally have if you don't have a reader magnet or you don't have other stuff you can literally have like a two email automation for when they sign up that they get a welcome email exactly. then maybe you get another email two weeks later just to say do you want to join my um, advanced reading team or whatever. But if you've got a reader yeah. magnet, you could send them that. I didn't get any signups on my thing until I started having a reader magnet. But by then, I'd already had three books that people had read. And then suddenly, I was saying, hey, if you sign up, you get this free book. People were doing it. So it is a long game, but it's definitely worth yeah. doing. It's definitely Absolutely. worth doing because it pays off in the end when you launch books and stuff like that. There, you get an almost immediate payment <laughs> because people are, are invested and they're there ready to go like you're so right at this stage now i have a, a, a couple of thousand followers ready to buy my next book as soon as mm-hmm. it comes out and that's that that that's not going to be book two or book three for you and now i'm i'm towards book 12 now at this stage so that's where i've sort of mm-hmm. evolved it too but yeah if you if you if you start this now uh, while just book one is out it saves an awful big headache um in the long run yeah it does and um thing like you said there four years ago you've had like a few subscribers now you've got almost this loyal army of people there that will guarantee a successful book so get on that if you're not doing it definitely start doing that from the get-go i'm gonna give you my final tip david and you'll be shocked 
to know what my <laughs> final tip is of what you should be doing when you're starting out. Can you guess what I'm going to say? Has it got something to do with productivity? It's to do with writing books. Now, I will bang this <laughs> drum every single episode, and I don't care if people are bored of it because nothing sells books more than writing books, but at the same time, nothing will build your momentum or your credibility or your like just influence with other readers more so than if you are a, an author who produces books. That's how this yeah. works, right? Gone, I think gone are the days we're in the Netflix generation now. Like gone are the days when um, you could write a book and then three years later, here comes the sequel. Unless you're up there with the major publishers, so that. Yeah. Thinking the same way as like TV shows. The amount of times like I'll watch, I don't know, a really good series and then say it doesn't get picked up again, but then it gets picked up three years later and they made yeah. series two of this series you watched three years ago. I'm like, I don't remember that. Yeah. Too much has happened yeah. since then. Um, so right. But if you're, you know, just starting out and you think, well, this is moot to me, it shouldn't be. What it should be doing is it should be saying to you, okay, okay, you're writing this book and you're going to launch it out and you're going to do a stuff. What's next? What are you going to be writing next? Because I, I know yeah. what I'm writing next while I'm writing what I'm currently writing. That mm -hmm. might just be me. I think that's a sensible way for me to be, especially as I write in series. I should know what's coming next because if I can drop little hits in there, that's fine. But then also I'm not sitting there after it's finished going, oh no, and then trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. I already yeah. have a plan. Very yeah, few plotting, businesses yeah. survive without a plan. Yeah, that's, that's all right. That's everyone has it. it. It might sound crude to say, "Oh, I have a business plan." That's exactly what it is. But you know, if you've written a book, I know, I know some authors. We had an incredible seven questions with um, Oscar, didn't we? Uh, months yes. ago now, Oscar's going months back. ago, yeah, Oscar Soderbergh, um, friend of the show, Oscar. But he was doing, he was sort of staggering a release where he was holding back launching a book because he was going to get the next one ready. And then maybe I think the next one half written and then he was going to knock a, like start releasing them because yes. he understood the idea of, well, they I know they take me 18 months to two years to write because he had a full-time job and a family. So he's actually spent like three years already preparing himself for this moment. Now, yeah. there's the other side of the coin saying, well, your book's not going to sell if it's sitting on your own shelf and not Amazon's. But... If you know you're not going to be able to follow that up for two years, he's actually made a smart decision. So writing books will always be the quickest way to get to doing this as a as a full-time career. So right. It will always be. And the thing is, is readers will love characters. I have people who have like got this almost um parasocial relationship with Sam Pope now. I've got some people who like are in love with Sam Pope. It's quite, uh, yeah. my friends find it hilarious. But they they invest in the characters, but they will invest in you. Again, it goes back to the kind of generation we live in now. If you think, some people don't even follow football teams anymore. They follow footballers. Some people yeah. don't enjoy movies. They enjoy the actors. Yeah. People will also invest in you as an author and the best way to build that momentum and build that readership and kind of get this ball rolling is to prove to them that they are worth your investment. 
So always, yeah. always you should be thinking about, you should either be writing or thinking about what you're writing next. You're so right. I mean, Robert isn't wasting his breath uh, uh, every week, every episode going on about this. Writing your next book is always a crucial step uh, for any author, whether whether you're Rob or I or Mark Dawson or uh, even Stephen King or whether you're just starting out. That That's why Rob's giving you this tip for people just starting out. There's no point in you looking at your sales rank of the first book and moping and going, oh, I've only yeah. sold 20 books in the last three weeks. There's no point in that. It, even if that is the case, get writing book number two because it might come to a... Remember, that first book you could market any time. You can still market it in 10 years' time. You can still market it in two years' time. And the average Rob and I have spoken about on this show is when you've got four or five books out, that tends to be when you start to see sort of full-time incomes. If you're getting everything right, that's when you start to see sort of um, a few thousand or maybe five thousand pounds mm-hmm. a month coming in where you think, right, now I can perhaps uh, switch to, to full-time authoring. So next book, as Rob always says, is exactly where half your brain should be thinking. It should so, be indeed. Tip, now, David, bring us home. Bring us yeah, home with tip six. Bring Come us on. home. Tip six. Um so you've got your books out, you've put, you've published your first book, you're wondering what you can do with it. I hope you followed all the first five tips and that you, you know, you've been professional, you've got your Amazon sales page um, as attractive as it can be, your social media pages and newsletters are set up, you're thinking um, or plotting or starting to write the second book. Now, in order to advertise the first book or to start to get some readers involved that will be there ready and waiting for book number two when you finally get it published is have a little go at the discount sites. So there's lots mm-hmm. of discount sites like Fussy Librarian or Free Booksy and Hello Books where you might just pay something like $25 or maybe 40 or $50 just to have your book added to an email list that will go out to thousands of potential readers. Now, I, me and Rob have spoken about how we market our books. We're big fans of Facebook ads. It tends to really work for us. It could work for you. You can test some Facebook ads. But just as a very starting point to get maybe trickle a couple of hundred readers your way, um, have a go at these discount sites. Now, it does require you to reduce your book perhaps to 99p. Um, but what you're doing as a very starting point is try and get a few hundred readers to get on uh, to read that book. It might end up, you might end up with 40 or 50 reviews on Amazon from that, which is great because that's adding Mm -hmm. to your social proof. Um, But I just think as a marketing uh, route for those just starting off, at least you know, oh, well, this is going to cost me $50, so I'm going to spend it. You know what you're spending and you're also likely to know roughly how many books you might sell from that discount site. So it, it it's 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 not something Rob and I recommend as a long-term marketing strategy because really you're getting about 30p per book sale when you're selling at 99p. So it's not exactly what you want. Um, they're not the sort of margins you want to be making. So in time, you will getting, you'll be getting more profit as you, as you look to different marketing sources. But just to get your first couple of hundred readers, I would recommend use the discount sites. I've mentioned a couple of them there. Um, and re- remember, you don't want, you know, I've gone on about Auntie Joan and Uncle Kevin. You don't want them buying your books really unless because they, you're, you're setting... Really 
Exactly. Unless they're sort of fans of that genre, you're kind of sell, sending the algorithms the wrong way. So mm-hmm. open up your book to readers who we know read in this genre because they've signed up for email lists on it, like Free Booksy or Hello Books or whatever. And at least then you know you're starting off on the right foot that, you know what, I've sold 200 copies of my debut novel and I just happened to sell to 200 people who are already invested in this type of genre and this type of book and they might be fans of mine now and when I release book two, they might be ready, waiting for me. So, Rob, we've done it. Six six, six little tips for those starting out. Our maths is strong. We didn't need a tree each there. Two, three, six. Yeah, we got it right. Two in the authors. Oh, that's high. Oh, shake it, shake, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it like a number one bestseller. Wow. Well, I thought we were going down the Mariah Carey route and then we ended up at Outcast. Yes. I, I think that nice. is probably how they wrote the song as well. They started out as Mariah Carey and ended up with what they had. Um, but yes, David, the rod from my back just gets uh, <laughs> stiffer and stiffer. Um, well, we know who to blame for that. Yes, our listeners who love my singing. Um, <laughs> but it is, of course, time for the mailbag. And we've had a wonderful question sent in by one of our wonderful listeners that says, and that listener is called Lauren Conway, who I at first I thought I thought that was like a TV personality, but I believe I'm wrong there. But um, Lauren has said, oh. I have a book and a half written, but haven't published anything yet. I fear people will think my writing is terrible and I can't stand the thought of people I know thinking I tried but ultimately failed as a writer. How can I get over this imposter syndrome and really put myself out there like you two have? Ooh. Mm, yeah, we've sort of been where you are, Lauren. At one point, and this is about six years ago when I um, decided I was going to write books, I was going to write under a pseudonym and hide behind mm-hmm. a fake profile picture and a fake name. And it has worked out to my advantage. It was my wife who sort of erased that notion within me. And it's worked out well because I, I have formed somewhat a relationship with an awful lot of my readers. And a, a bit like Rob mentioned earlier on in the show, they know he has a daughter. They know he, he, he uh, his home set up. They see in pictures of his home. Was, I'm a bit like that. And it, I, I have this sort of personal language that I use with my readers and it really helps sell books because um, they're not just, they haven't just read one of my books. They're invested in my social media and my following now. And therefore, every time I release a book, they are very supportive. So it's nice to get yourself out there. But I understand it's a big, big step for you to take, Lawrence. So I'll just give you a slight psychology my wife helped me with. And then um, I'm going to pass your question over to Robert, who I'm sure has um, uh, quite an answer for you. But imposter syndrome. Uh, and you, you, what do you, you, your language you use in your question? You say, "I fear people will think my writing is terrible. I can't start, mm-hmm. stand the thought of people thinking I tried." Right. My wife did this with me, and th- that's sort of the language I use for her. I said, "Oh no, what what do they think? Ah, uh, I'm being a bit silly, or I'm trying, and I'm a bit try hard, and I once put a book out there and it failed." And then my wife got me to pick. She said, "Who are the people?" 
Mm-hmm. I said, do you know the people, the, the, the lads, you know, the, who who are they? Name them. And I'm going, mm, uh, and she, she was naming my friends. And I go, no, of course not my friends. My friends couldn't give a shit. And she's saying, well, well who else? And I'm kind of going, well, what about, mm, and then I ended up going back to guys who I went to primary school with, who I thought might be, you know, because I was going, what about Kevin and, and Flincher and all and all these names that I hadn't mentioned in 15 years. And she's going, what? And I know, but, but and, and when I thought about it, I thought, oh, they're the guys I always wanted. You know, when you're coming of age, you're 12 mm. or 13, and they're the guys you want to impress. And I was a 40-year-old man at this stage, and I was still, they were still in my head somewhere that I had to impress them. Mm-hmm. And by the time the psychology came around, I, did, I wasn't even in touch with these guys. They're not even following me on social media. I don't know who they are anymore. It, that was 20-odd years ago. When it came to it, to answering my wife's question, who are they? Who are the people? I didn't have any fucking names. They huh? didn't even exist, these people. It was just my own imposter syndrome um, just really taking over. So you have, to, you have to figure that part out, Lauren, is people, there aren't a group of people waiting around to see what's Lauren Conway going to do next. It, life isn't like that as much as we think it is. We are not the star of the, the Truman Show. Um, so people aren't waiting and ready to critique us. And, and when you can get over that psychology, I think y- you will cross the, 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 the bridge that you, you seem to um, mm-hmm. be stuck at at the moment. But Rob, so, so Lauren has a book and a half written. She's afraid to put it out there. She's afraid of these people. She mightn't even know who they are like I did. But what do you say to authors who are suffering from this imposter syndrome? Um, first one is, is because I do have a strong opinion on this. Um, I think mm-hmm. people who have seen the, the social media posts I put up on our two indie authors' Instagram and um, see I'm quite a, I like a good quote. But there's no yeah. quotes here. The only thing I would I would say is, is the people who you think are the people I know will know that I tried. Well, the only people who knew I wanted to write a book were people who I cared about and people who cared about me. So my close friends mm-hmm. and my family. Um, and, you know, funny enough, they want to see me succeed because, you know, they're friends with me because they like me and then my family because they love me. So, yeah, you know, you'd be surprised to see how much support you will get from people who will see you putting yourself out there and doing something that quite a lot of people wish they could do, but they don't sit down and do it. And the fact that you've already written a book puts you ahead yes. of 95% of people who want to do this. So that you should already be patting yourself on the back. You know, um, yeah. you haven't failed. You've written a book. So what do you do next when they're trying to sell it and turn it into a business? That's where, you know, hopefully podcasts like ourselves and all the other learnings out there you can do um, can get you there. The one thing I will say is you haven't published anything yet and you're saying your wide writing is terrible. Well, guess what? If you don't write it, you'll never know. <laughs> so so true. Yeah. The, the way I see it is you can quit now and it will never happen and you will have failed as a published author you would have failed as an independent author because you haven't tried or you can write it do all the tips we spoke about like get yourself a good editor get yourself a cover give yourself the best opportunity to you know get to where you want to be and you never know like if you give it all the love and dedication it deserves then you never know you might do it um you can see for yourself then can't you if you're good enough um so yeah, yeah, just as a quick one is my first book sold like a hundred copies in this first year and I didn't make more than 300 pounds, uh, 500 pounds, I think in my first three years doing this. So right. 
I'm using that as an example. I've been doing this for eight years. So in the last five years, I've turned that to a six-figure year doing all the stuff we preach on this podcast. So the only way you're going to fail is if you quit and if you stop writing. Yes, absolutely. Great point. Two in the Rob, it's seven questions time. We've lined up another fantastic guest. Um, you love this. The Coco Girls. That's a great title for a book, huh? And also yeah, the the Village on the Hill. Now, if you look at these books on Amazon, you're seeing sepia tones. It's great branding, fantastic uh, typography, great branding. And it comes from the mind. These books come from the mind of Annie Doyle, who joins us today. Annie, thank you so much for giving us your time this morning. Well, thank you for having me. Not at all. It's our pleasure. Absolutely. Now, I've mentioned sepia tones and great titles there. Um, the sepia would align to history. Yes. Um, and it is historic fiction that you write. Can you tell us a little bit about those beautiful looking books you have for sale? Yes, certainly. Well, the very first thing I would say about beautiful looking books, and I agree, they are stunning covers, and I can't take any credit for that whatsoever. (laughs) I am very fortunate to have a really good friend who is a fabulous graphic designer. And one of the things I really wanted with my books was for them to stand out as being historical fiction, as having that link with the past. And having some stunning art, which I think they have. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, they, they have absolutely nailed it. You, it. It looks like they have had years of experience of book cover design. Is that not necessarily the case? Yes, he has. His name's ah. Rob Barnes. He's somebody I used to work with in my previous university life. And ah. Rob's a graphic designer of many years experience. And when I started going down this path on my writing journey, I got in touch with him and said, what do you think? Have you ever done anything like this before? And he was just on board immediately. And it's a great relationship because it's a friendship and we can be incredibly honest with one another. And I think he probably shudders every time I say, I've had an idea. He probably goes, (laughs) oh, my God, no, what I should thought of now. But he can always turn my ideas into something that looks right, looks professional. And again, for my novels, I always, this had always sort of pecked at me, this idea of trying to write a novel. And I'm sure we'll come on to when that became possible in my life. But I had always thought about the novel being an experience for readers. So as well as the words, I wanted some illustrations. So in the Coco Girls, Rob created little chapter heading illustrations. So the little picture is a nod to something that happens in that chapter. And in The Village on the Hill, he created plate illustrations for the start of each act, again, relevant to the main theme of that act. So they're points of difference, which I believe really add to the the experience for the reader. Wow, that's great. Rob and I just spent the last 20 minutes discussing what authors should be doing when they're starting out. And, and, and one of them is really coming across as professional as you possibly can. And Annie, you are nailing it. Your books can sit alongside any other books in the, in the history uh, se- sections of 
any Waterstones or any WH Smiths. You you look as if you're doing it as professionally as you possibly can. But mm-hmm. the biggest test you will face as an independent author are these seven questions. Are you up for it? I am. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, go on then. I'll go first. I'll hear the first one. So question number one, Annie, is are you a full-time author? Well, I feel very fortunate to be able to say yes, I am. And that's because this whole journey is coming to me relatively late in life. But I think there's a huge message in there for anybody who wants to write, which is it's never too late. Because, as I mentioned, it had always pecked at me, this idea of wanting to write a novel. Could I write a novel? You know, some people want to dive with sharks. Some people want to bungee jump. I wanted to see if I could do this. It was really important to me to try. But life gets in the way doesn't it and I had Mm -hmm. a very busy very stressful job for many many years I was away from home a lot with work I always wrote bits of things as a girl I wrote um I wrote quite a few poems and I was very lucky to have a couple of poems published in our local newspaper the Newcastle Chronicle when I was maybe about eight or nine I don't believe that's because they were necessarily any good. I believe it's because my dad worked there. So I had a letter from the editor at the time saying how much he enjoyed my writing. He liked the poems. He was going to publish them. Um, I have the letter still. And he said, I hope one day you go on to have a successful career as a writer. Well, both my dad and the editor are long gone from this life. Um, but I I have, and I, I've realised that dream. And the reason I was able to do it, two things happened in 2017. The first was I was made redundant, which at the time felt mm-hmm. like a huge blow. I'd always yeah. worked, busy jobs in higher education. And I thought, oh, what am I going to do? I had a little bit of consultancy work over that summer, but then in the autumn... My mum was diagnosed with a chronic cancer. She's still with us. She's 91. She's doing well. Great. But not having a job meant I could be her chemo buddy. So mum and I set off on this journey. And at one hospital appointment, she asked me a question. And that really just propelled me down this path. And the, the first thing she said was, you don't have a job these days, do you? And I said, well, no, not apart from this, you know, driving you back and forth, being your buddy while you're here, everything Uh else that normal life entails, but not a proper job, no. And I said, why? What, What makes you ask that? And she said, can you find out what my mother was really called? And we'd never known there were huge secrets on my mum's side of the family, which I think most families have some stories, some myths perhaps that are handed down. Great Uncle Billy was a bigamist. Great Aunt Susie went to jail for theft, whatever it is. In our family, it was that my nana was abandoned in Gateshead by the river at the age of four, that her mother and sister, her aunt, went to London Then they went to New York City, where there were dancers on Broadway. And the timing of this was the early 20th century, so around about 1905, 1906. We had very little in the way of names that we were sure of. And my mum said, can you do some family history research? Can you find out? So I toddled off to the local library in Newcastle and quite quickly 
I found that most of these stories were true. I had the sisters on the wow. ship's manifests going back and forth from England to America. I had them at an address on Broadway above a theatre. And I just thought, this is, this is gold dust for me in terms of a hook for a story mm. and in terms of, you know, giving my mum that information that she so desired, so needed. So I was able to give her certificates and copies of the ship's manifests, photographs of the ships they'd been on, and I started writing. So I do feel very fortunate that those things happened when they did that sort of propelled me. The thing I have to be mindful of, and I am, is I was 54 when all of that happened. I'm 61 now. So technically Mm. I'm retired. I've done my bit, work-wise. And Uh I do want to have that benefit of retirement. So if, for example, myself and my partner want to go off for some holidays somewhere, there shouldn't be anything that prevents us at this stage in our lives and that's a huge benefit to me of being an indie author because I'm in control I haven't got anybody apart from myself setting me a deadline so I'm, I'm trying to create that balance of loving what I'm doing with the writing loving that I'm putting something about my mum's family, the, the remarkable women that I've found out into the world for others to enjoy, yeah. but also trying to enjoy my retirement, if that, yes. makes, if that makes sense. Yeah, maintaining that control is so key, Annie. And I have to say, yeah, I love the, the serendipity of the story, the anecdote you've just told us there, that it all happened to come together. Uh, the light of your mom's doing well and, and still, still yeah. with us at such a strong age. But, you know, we invite people, our authors, onto this to to this segment of the show to hopefully pass back and one of the things you've already passed back um, and you probably haven't even realised you've done it uh, uh, my wife would, would love listening to you this idea of it's never ever too late to start and my, my wife throws mm-hmm. out Julia Child didn't write her first cookbook till she was well into her 50s and then she be, she's now known as the person for cookbooks Stan Lee wasn't writing um comics until he was well into his second part of his life same with vera wang hadn't designed any clothes like my, my wife pulls out these names annie dial we're going to add that name uh, <laughs> to the list but it's so key it really is there's it's never ever too you could be your mother's age into your 90s you can still write your first book if you so wish it's just never too late we like to get that message across um question two annie of the seven yep. questions um a little simpler this one are you wired or exclusive of your ebooks on amazon changing there. It's so funny you say it a little simpler because this <laughs> question honestly really made me think. I thought, what what am I? I knew what I was, but it made me think, why? Why did I make that decision? Um and I'd love to say this was a completely strategic decision that I sat down and I, you know, <laughs> sort of considered the pros and the cons. Um <laughs> But I didn't at the time. I'm wide. Um, But in reality, the excitement of becoming published just overtook everything else. Um, At the moment, when I sit back now, two books in, um, I am thinking a lot more strategically. I've got that little bit of breathing space to be able to think, well, was that the right decision? Does it remain the right decision? For me at the moment, I believe it does. My excitement to be published, it was partly a time thing because 21, December 21, when I published The Coco Girls, my mum was actually having a bit of a dip. She wasn't too well. And 
I wanted to give her a published copy. That was my objective in the beginning. Anything else ah, was yes. bonus. And yeah. that was part of the reason for going indie because I've had a few rejections and I thought, no, no, time is of the essence. Let's just see if I can do it. So I did it. I went wide and I thought anything else can come later in terms of thinking about strategically looking more long-term, is that the right thing? So having said that, it's Amazon at the moment, local indie bookshops, and I've got a list clearly of places I would like my work to be. And I think I will get there. But for me, it's been this bit of a taking a big step forward in a little while step back and think consider the options and maybe at some point I'll do do something exclusive but I think for me it will continue to be wide but I need to get it out there yeah I think um, something to always remember is uh, you can be exclusive ebook to Amazon and still have your paperbacks wherever um, yeah. but if, if your ebook is only on Amazon um, and it's not on the other platforms, then there's aggregators like draft to digital stuff like that, that are probably worth investigating because if you want to be wide, but you're only on the Amazon platform, you may as well be an Amazon KU because then you'll get the page reads. Um, so again, like you said, you're in a position now where you can start thinking about these strategic things. Um, yeah. and like I said, I, I mean, there's a really nice segue here. I just spoke about an aggregator for going wide, which is a service that an indie author could use question number three for you annie is what is the one service you have used as an indie author that you cannot do without well i don't go for any fancy pants software i'm quite traditional i'm a word girl Mm -hmm. all the way but i have found something within word which is a feature that i couldn't do without and it's the read aloud feature because any amount of editing i have found miss things and the more I read my own work the more likely I am to see what I thought I saw yesterday and things Mm -hmm. will get past an editor they'll get past a beta reader but read aloud I do it myself you hear things that you don't see so you might hear a repeated word or you might Mm -hmm. hear a word that's right that spell check won't find but it's not in the right place So the read aloud function for me is something I couldn't do without. There's one change I would love Microsoft to make to it, and that's to give it some dialect because not much, but some of my writing has some Geordie in it, which I think the authenticity of that for me, for my readership, is very important. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear a why I man or a Howie pet (laughs) as a choice in the read aloud that I could switch on when I get to that section. That would be really helpful. But that's the one thing for me. Yeah, I think with with AI sort of growing at such an exponential uh, speed at the moment, Annie, I don't think we're far off from having a a Geordie uh, read along uh, that Microsoft can invest in. So we're nearly there. And another great answer there, Annie, nothing like we've had before. So we really appreciate that. (laughs) Question four asks, how do you market your books? 
Well, this probably won't come as a surprise, given what I've already said. I hadn't planned a marketing strategy. Um, I just wanted to get it published, wrap it up in a lovely box and give it to my mum for Christmas, which I did. So I'm trying to catch up with all of that a bit now. I haven't yet done any Amazon ads, but for the Cocoa Girls and currently this week for the village, I've engaged Love Books Tours to do a book to it and that was fantastic for exposure being able to share the reviews on all the platforms and just having additional people read it whose commentary I can use I've done a lot of online and local networking and what I'm keen to try to do is to give something back, particularly within the local community Mm -hmm. since the pandemic there's been a number of um, initiatives that have come come up. Anne Cleves has started something, Reading for Wellbeing, and there's also locally a Let's Talk Stories group held in different libraries. And I love to go along to those and just either read to people or talk to them about books. I feel very lucky that I was brought up in a creative household. My dad was an artist. My mum worked in a local library. So yes, it's marketing of a kind, but mm-hmm. for me it's twofold. At Of course, I want to sell books, but I also want to feel that I've put my stories out there and they've made a difference to somebody. So one of the things that one of the groups has done is there's a thing called social prescribing. And I met a lady last year, I think, whose job it is. She works with four local GP surgeries. She identifies people who became isolated over the pandemic and she brings them along to these Let's Talk Stories groups. So being able to feel that you've given that to those individuals is, is really important to me. And a new local art gallery sprung up here, not far from where we live, two weeks ago, and they've given me a shelf for my books and for my Amazing. dad's art. Lovely. And it's about, for, for me, it's about connections, particularly the local connections and trying to market myself that way. But more, more will come. I will look into the other more strategic options but <laughs> a whole part a whole part of this for me is enjoyment exactly. so i'm trying to do i'm trying to do the things that will bring me pleasure but will also help others i think that's a fantastic answer and it's it's yeah. the question the how you market your books is probably the most uh, requested question that we get and everyone does it differently there's people who do similar yeah. stuff, but there's always different reasons and different things. And we've had other people before say, you know, they do a lot of stuff locally. Yeah, you know, I can commend you for wanting to, you know, give back. I think that's always a fantastic thing. And it goes to show like the power. I said it to a friend of mine the other day who's like umming and eyeing about writing a book. And I said, you never know, one day you could become somebody's favorite author, or you could write a book that helps somebody get through a really hard time in their life you won't know unless you do it so um yeah yeah, i think that's a fantastic fantastic way of marketing your book is getting involved in like local schemes that are there to reach out and help people especially isolated people through the pandemic it's so horrible um so yeah i commend you for that really commend you don't misunderstand Um, me if netflix got in touch and said you know make a fabulous mini series i'll be saying where's my dress and my hat for the premiere don't misunderstand (laughs) me however at the moment I'm I'm just enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah, sounds great. If you don't enjoy writing, you'll fall out of love with it. So, um, 
Yeah, keep keep going along those paths. I think it's brilliant. Question five for you is: What's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? <laughs> that I wasn't just writing a book. That mm-hmm. I was opening this whole door, embarking on a business. I at about twenty thousand words, I signed up for some excellent local creative writing classes run by another local author called Fiona Beach, and I learned so much. I realised how much I didn't know um, because yeah. I didn't know about the technicalities. I didn't know about three act structure, about characterisation, about plotting. I'm still a pantser, by the way, but I just thought, wow! I was like a little sponge, and I thought I want to soak all of this up. But being in a hurry to publish, as I said, Mam's Illness, I'd had a conversation with um, a publisher who had said, we can print some of your books for you. And I came away from that call thinking, well, if I'm paying to have them printed, why don't I try and self-publish? So, But there was so much that I didn't know about self-publication that I've learned since. And I didn't stop and go back to my notes from the classes, the notes about Um, don't buy a free ISBN, buy your own ISBN. This is how you can try to get onto Nielsen's, to Gardner's, all those things which will then lead to perhaps bigger marketing opportunities. So I'm playing catch up and I have now set up my own publishing imprint. So Village on the Hill is published under Little Croft Publishing, which is mine. And I'm moving forward with all of that. But yeah, it was that thing of, I thought, I'm just going to write a book and that'll yeah. be it. And I'll enjoy it and people will hopefully like it and my mum's next door neighbour will read it. But it was, it is so much bigger than that. Yeah, it really is. It's it, it's not a small bite of the apple really to, to get into this game because, I mean, it's very difficult to earn enough money to keep you going from one book so suddenly you find yourself as rob's always saying writing that next book and um and 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 trying to sort of establish yourself or establish a brand for yourself which you're certainly doing um but of course yeah there's things we love to do as part of this job or um profession there's also things we don't really like to do and question six sort of goes um into that slot what we're asking here what's the biggest frustration for you, Annie, that you face as an independent author? It isn't something that I don't like to do. It's an attitude in this wider industry that I've found. It's a generalisation, I suppose, that some indie authors, some indie writing isn't as good simply because it's indie. Um, If it's not traditionally published, that's it. It It must be terrible. It's because the author couldn't find a traditional publisher. And there are so many reasons why that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And I think I would have always been at pains to ensure my books looked as good as they could. But this pushes me even more in that direction because I don't want anybody to be able to pick up one of my books and immediately say self-published, indie. Mm -hmm. I want it to hold its own on a shelf alongside the big publishers. So it is, it's that generalisation, perhaps an element of snobbery within the industry. And I think the more that people like yourselves, people like me can speak and say, no, these were our reasons, these remain our reasons and they're very valid ones and make our work as good as it can be. I'm an absolute pedant when it comes to 
to lamp to, to language to grammar to editing and I would be devastated if a comma in the wrong place, a ghost apostrophe yeah. got past yeah. me, which again, I go back to the read aloud function in Word. So that's that's a main frustration for me. I think it's one that's um, shared by a number of our guests before the the image. I mean, we, we always say, and you've echoed it there, you need to be indistinguishable from... Um, traditionally published um author authors but do you know what i mean I, i'm an independent author because i choose to be not because i have to be i've turned down publishers thing is though is this is the the part of the snobbery that people don't understand like there's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy for them is most of these published authors are being published by publishing houses that are just started up i've got a publishing imprint of myself i could take on three or three new authors and publish them and they're suddenly published when actually i'm just an independent author publishing books still it's mad um so yeah i think you're you're you've nailed it right as long as your books are high quality you do everything to the the best um of your ability cover editing all that you become indistinguishable and that's the only way that that stigma um will go and that frustration will always be there but i think that's the only way it will go um however Annie, you have made it through to question seven. I make it sound like a game show. There was, there was no, <laughs> you were always going to get to question seven. Yes, right. You could have won. Yes. <laughs> um, question seven. I mean, it's been a fascinating chat with you. I think some of your answers Absolutely. have been so wonderful. Um, I love it. I love how open and honest you've been, um, especially with like stuff that you've had to deal with in your personal life and some of the the things you've had to research and things. But question number seven. What is the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? I think it would be to do all the planning that I didn't do, to take a deep breath and make some strategic decisions about marketing for one, wider exclusive for another. But it's funny again, when I was thinking about this question, I thought, given my time again, I probably still wouldn't do that because for me, the joy of writing, the excitement of achieving that objective, which, as I say, I was 59 when I published The Coco Girls, all my life, and going back to that editor's letter, I hope you make a career out of writing. All my life, this was something I'd wanted to achieve. So I probably would be equally as excited um, and just press the button. So I can give the advice, but I'm not saying necessarily I would follow it. But also that the thing we've already said, that it is never too late. You really, I think the saddest two words were, you know, to have regret, I wish I'd... um, done this if only and try just have a go because age isn't a thing for me and it shouldn't be for anybody else either Annie, that's so amazing i i I can't i can't you won't believe if i tell you that that's going to be inspirational for our listeners it really is there's just no such thing as too old there really isn't You, you life is the span when you from your first breath to your last breath and there's nobody telling you that you can't do this until you're a certain age it's an inspirational seven questions annie dial thank you so much for giving us thank your time you. this morning you're very welcome thank you guys for having me on the show wasn't it absolutely lovely to talk to annie about uh, being an independent author david 
Yeah, just great answers again. We, we I mean, we're, we're repeating ourselves. We love that segment of the show. It's just yeah. a diversity of answers from the same seven questions. A genius is whoever came up with that concept. Just <laughs> two absolutely really handsome geniuses. Uh, oh, yeah, so Annie was spectacular. Great to hear from Annie. Yeah, she, she was so lovely and she's right on track to make a success of herself at this game, I think. Yeah, I think so. It's just... It's always nice to hear varied voices as well. We don't just want us yelling at you to write books and stuff like that. It's nice to see, you know, it's nice yeah. to hear other people, you know, go about their own journeys. And we would love to hear from anyone else who hasn't done the seven questions yet. Go on our Facebook. Yes, it's pinned to the top of the page. Go on our Instagram. It's in the highlights. Go on our website, www.twoindieauthors.co.uk. The form is there. It'll take about 30 seconds, a minute of your time, mm-hmm. and you could be facing the seven questions. And I don't know, maybe I'll sing you a song. Who knows, David? What a tree that'll be. Ooh. Eh? Oh, well, that's got people laugh. <laughs> well, fine, whatever. David, what is your uh, next, what's your next week looking like, my friend? Um, I am continuing to work on my novella. I'm continuing to hone the the, the TV screenplay that we, we've got going on about Alec Ferguson. Uh, I also have taken a job this month um, editing a, a fellow author's manuscript, which... Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, I like doing that. I don't like taking on too many projects. Um, so he came to me in May. I said, come back to me in September because I'm going to have... Um, a low month then I won't be too busy and lo and behold I'm fucking crazy busy so um, I, I have a few projects on so I'm trying to squeeze them all I don't want to squeeze them so much that I don't all get my best attention but it's yeah. it's all hands on deck really for the rest of the month for me now in terms of my own manuscript this uh, client's manuscript and then writing that, that screenplay but they're all mm-hmm. creative processes so I'm going to enjoy them uh, what about you Rob? I think I'm just going to just try and get as close to the end of Jack Townsend as I possibly can. I'd like I'm going on holiday at the beginning of October. So I'd quite like wow. to maybe try and get the first draft done before I go away. I mean that'd be nice. Ooh, that'd be that'd way be ahead of schedule yeah. as well. So I think I'm just gonna yeah. I'm in my little office now. Um I think I'm just gonna get my head down and just get as much writing done as I possibly can. Because I am an hey, author, that's that? what I should be doing. <laughs> yeah, did you hear that listeners? We're both writing books. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? But that's always Rob's uh, advice at every turn. Write that next book. Okay, Rob, that brings episode 48 to an end. Thank you so uh-huh. much for being my two in the authors, buddy. You're welcome. Thank you, too. And we'll catch you all next week. <laughs> Dum 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 d